0: What? <laughs> of the Drunk Friend Podcast. This is our pre-Christmas. Well, this is Christmas Day, I guess, when this comes out. So so happy holidays, Merry Christmas to everybody. As always, I'm Travis of Nest Friend. That's Alex of Snest Drunk. Alex, uh, well, this is re- this is releasing on Christmas, but we're pre-Christmas right now. What are your plans for the big weekend? Anything?
1: Staying home and staying out of people's way, not, um, yeah, not going anywhere. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, nobody told me that college bowl games started already, so I feel what? like I'm already behind on my bowl, my football watching. Oh man, so I, I I need to. I guess BYU played last night. I'm trying to find a schedule here. I can't seem to find one. So, mm-hmm. are there any good Christmas Day bowl games? Looks like there's only. I've. Is it just? I I managed to find one, and it's Marshall versus Buffalo. <laughs>
0: hey, that's a, that could be a a, bar,
1: a shed burner. We'll say. <laughs>
0: I, uh, I, have not dialed into the college football stuff anymore. My team was ass this year. It made me sad and I... No, I thought Indiana was pretty good. Well, yeah, I switched teams midway through the year. You're right. Indiana had a fine season, but yeah, I, uh, I don't, I, I don't know that I can, I can stomach college football. I can't stand watching other teams enjoy the postseason when my team uh, is bad. And part of me also thinks like maybe bowls aren't necessary this year. I kind of also have that probably not going, but... Yeah, it is a typical tradition for me to to watch football for the two weeks I'm out of work. But this year, I'll I'll have to do something else like make Nest Friend videos or something like that. I guess, speaking of which, and maybe I'll just say, I also don't have any holiday plans, so to speak. We're just, it's just my my wife, my daughter, my mother in law, the same three people it's been for the last nine months. So, we're just. (laughs) Any fancy
1: food planned?
0: Yeah, my wife and my mother in law want to cook together. They're going to just really fill it out. I don't know what they're going to cook for just. The same three people that they've been cooking for again for the last 10 <laughs> months but uh they want to get they want to have fun so uh, it'll just be uh you know me b- by myself in the old game room sipping whiskey ad nauseum until <laughs> food's ready which is fine that's a great holiday for me that that's yeah. great
1: yeah yeah i don't know we might upgrade from the from dinty more up to like you know campbell's chunky soup or something like that I'm this year gonna get fancy we'll after s- the move we'll see no i don't know. <laughs> Nice. Um what are we going to I can't even remember. I, I think Pearl talked about something that she wanted to make, but um yeah, we might just do uh might just do our good old-fashioned uh, Mexican Christmas with uh, quesadillas and tamales, uh, feliz navidad. That sounds great. That sounds great.
0: I could use a Christmas change up. I've been I've been eating the same old Mountain People Christmas food for 35 years. <laughs> I could use a What's change. What's that? Up. It's just the all the traditional staples. Oh, Your ham and or like turkey, depending on what was on sale that week, and then all of the regular <laughs> sides from Thanksgiving again.
1: Ham, when it's done well, can be is really good. I prefer a ham. Yeah, I'm with you. But when it's half-assed, it's pretty crappy. Oh, yeah. And when it's way too dry, way too salty, not enough interesting stuff going on there. I agree. But, uh, when ham is good, it's good. <laughs> I, I would say that for just about anything. I, I guess so. Huh? It's, it's, it's kind of like the old talking point that people uh, people love to bring up, where, where no matter where you live, or it's like, if you don't like the weather, just just wait five minutes and it'll change. You know, it's like it's, they they've said, okay, I've heard that about Cleveland, I've heard that about <laughs> Minneapolis, I've heard that about Seattle, I've heard that about freaking everywhere. It's true. So yeah, I don't think that holds a lot of water in many places. But anyway, yeah, nest friend, nest. For, let's
0: talk. Let's talk a little bit of nest friend. Um, I did want to ask though, did, are you bringing a new console into the home this holiday season? Did, was there, is that a gift that you sought out or that you're no. getting for someone else? No. You didn't have to <laughs> struggle through all of that. That's good for
1: you. We're not doing that either. So no, nothing, nothing new on the console front for me. All right, oh, no, no, and you're you're sitting that one out too, right? Sitting it out for a little while, yeah. Let it
0: let it get caught up. Let a few more games come out that I'm excited for before I right. It's going to be 2023. That's that's what'll happen. <laughs> I mean, I have give a, or take a couple of years. I have an OG. Well, I don't want to say OG Xbox One because that's already confusing in terms of Xbox nomenclature. But I have one of the first Xbox Ones that came out, and I also have Cyberpunk because I forgot I pre ordered it like 10 years ago. And now they're saying, like, it might not ever play on that thing. So <laughs> Jeez, we'll, see what, a we'll disaster. see what happens. We'll see what happens. God. So, yeah, Ness Friends. Um, I did the thing again where I, I show some box art and make people guess what it is, which is kind of like, hey, you want a video? You do the work. Um, but, hey, it seems pretty entertaining. People seem to like it. The thing that I get a lot of pushback on, though, and I I guess because I can't read uh, any ja- any of the Japanese characters, I still think it's fun, but a lot of people are like, dude, I can read Japanese. This so this wasn't fun for me. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'll try to blur it next time. Like, I just, I I don't know. Ho- hopefully people can well, still have fun with it. But yeah, if you can, if you can read the characters, then you're, you're going to, it's going to be easy for you.
1: Well, how many people are, are in that
0: boat? It, seemingly a few. Yeah, it was a good, <laughs> I would say
1: 5% of the people that commented were like, oh man, I like, well, I'm sorry. It, it, is uh is, i guess uh, nest friend big in japan must be just just like i think what what was the band that did that song alphaville i think oh big I don't in know. japan oh yeah yeah yeah, that, yeah 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 alphaville yeah. yeah they they did forever young and big in japan oh, those are the two
0: we, songs i know we joked when we when the podcast kicked off we had a really good start there in oh yeah in uruguay and i was like man we're kill- we're, we're monsters in uruguay and we were like
1: you know big in japan we were you know just great we were huge in hong kong i think there was another yeah i think it was like the, the maldives or mm-hmm. something like yeah. that <laughs> it was some island nation out in like near vietnam or something mm-hmm. like that I, f- I forget but just monstrous All, worldwide baby yeah. we, look out pitbull we're, we're the worldwide <laughs> folk he's now. drinking
0: dr pepper under an interstate somewhere that commercial <laughs> kills me no one's having a rave under an overpass well they shouldn't be but anyway, everything
1: about that guy cracks me up like the Bud Light commercials he used to do where towards the end, he he appears to be having some sort of cocaine fit or something because <laughs> he starts pumping his fist at nothing in particular to no one in particular. He's got like a beer can in one hand and he's just like pumping his fist like, yeah, yeah, Bud Light. And it's like, what is wrong with him? Like Is he OK? He just gets excited. He loves Bud like, Light. Uh... It's it's a little too excited. I don't know anybody who gets that excited about Bud Light unless they've had, you know, 4 gallons of it or something.
0: That is a good point. That is a really good but point. Yeah.
1: But yeah, I I dig the box art vids because it's um it's a good idea for a video first of all, and I managed to get I think two right this time. <laughs> so it was uh it was pretty funny to see um some of these uh, Japanese covers cuz they're they're such uh There's such a different, there's such a major difference in some of these, like Dragon Fighter. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's how I got the idea too, is like,
0: you know, I'm, I'm pretty familiar with the NES library, but looking at some of those, I was like, for real, this
1: is the same game. Holy shit. So that's why I
0: was like, this would be a great video idea. And I have enough for one more. So there might be another one in the next few months. Yeah.
1: Excellent. And then after that, you had, uh, the Home Alones. Yeah. That came out today as of recording. Yeah. The way it's written on the on the on our sheet here made me want to say Home Alone's. But it's uh Home Alones. Uh, yeah, I did and do a our, video on the Home Alonis. Yeah. Those those games are just as bad on NES as they are on Super Nintendo, I'm guessing. Yeah, they're pretty terrible. I, I will
0: defend the first one a little bit in that if, if there was any more game around it, it had promise, but it was like they had an idea and they didn't really evolve it at all. They were like, yeah, we can do a thing where you're chased during the break-in. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And put down traps. Yeah, that sounds great. And then they're like, and then that's it. I'm like, no, you need more. <laughs> that's boring. <laughs> what you described was an idea, not really a game. But the, uh, the second one is just banana town. I hate when they take yeah. a video game or a, take a movie adaptation. This is going to come up on a future Nest friend as well that I'm doing but they'll take a movie adaptation for a game and then just make it nonsense. The characters don't even look like they belong. It's not like they will put like you know animals in there that were never in the movie They're like made up creatures like what the fuck is this?
1: Yeah, total recall is like that where it's like what what is all this crap? Like this has nothing to do with the movie at all. Uh yeah. it's just kind of a generic platformer that's not good and completely half-assed. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but those games are uh, pretty terrible. So,
0: enjoy that video.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's always it's, it's always good to enjoy somebody tearing into some bad games, of course. Speaking of bad games,
0: were there any bad games on the old SNES drunk this week? Last couple weeks.
1: Yeah, although <laughs> I don't know if Brutal Pause of Fury is that bad. It's just boring. It's a decently functional one-on-one fighting game uh and speaking of cover art and stuff like that this is a this is a classic example of a game that had some pretty cool cover art and cool a cool ad campaign with these vicious looking animals and then you see the game itself and it's just like you know price is right loser horn sound because it's just embarrassing like how (laughs) mismatched they are uh it's pretty crappy uh the hit detection is wonky uh the special moves are impossible to pull off it's fine in some ways i guess but it just gets boring that's sucks. yeah if if you can't do the special moves which most people can't because the inputs are so finicky then all you're doing is punching and kicking and jumping and stuff so i've played that on the uh, sega cd or saturn probably
0: cd mm. Yeah, that's the only time that's the only way I've played it. I don't know that it's any better on that platform
1: than anywhere else, but yeah, I get what you're saying. Kinda of boring and rote. Yep, yep, yep. And but on the other end of the spectrum, uh coming out tomorrow, uh Thursday, I will be looking at Wild West Cowboys of Moo Mesa. Yes. And this is an arcade game made by Konami and I think ninety two. And it's it's almost like a sequel to Sunset Riders, but you know, you play as cows <laughs> hell yeah instead of people it's pretty fun yeah it's 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 a lot of fun it's well made because it's konami early 90s uh and they they definitely knew what they were doing it's it's kind of the same engine as sunset riders but there's a lot more going on there's some side scrolling uh shoot 'em up levels where you're being carried by an eagle shooting all sorts of other stuff like bats and you know it's it's freaking crazy it's 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 there really was a a cartoon called Wild West Cowboys of Mumesa. That's right. And not only that, but the Cow and Cowboys was an acronym that stand for Code of the West. Oh
0: my god, I didn't even know I didn't know that.
1: Yeah. It gets weirder and weirder. Yeah, it's absurd. I, I remember those forget. cows had cows, which is
0: problematic. <laughs> What are the logistics behind that? I mean, come on. I don't on. know. I don't even want to get into it because I think it's problematic. But it is a fun idea. It was during the heyday of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and just transforming yep. animals
1: into fun things that could be mascots. And, you know, it's fun. I, in fact, I, off the top of my head, let us I'm going to name four shows that were inspired by okay. uh, Ninja Turtles. And I'm going to make up one. And I watched... <laughs> I want you to uh, see if you can guess which one is fake. Okay. So, okay, my fir- the first one I- I'm coming up with is uh, Avenger Penguins. Second one is Street Sharks. Third is Carnivorous Chipmunks. And fourth, uh, let me see if I can think of a fourth one. Oh, uh, uh, Swat Cats. So, I think I've heard of, did you say Street Sharks?
0: Yeah. I think I've heard of that one. The fact that you had to kind of think of the last one makes me think that's the fake one, but I'm actually, Swat Cats, I think that's a game too, right? Yeah, it's a game, yeah. That one exists. I feel like that is, is possibly also a TV show. The first one about the penguin seems dumb, which makes me think it's probably real, so I'm going to go with C. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you are correct. Yes, Carnivorous Chipmunk <laughs> is not a real thing. It might as well have been, but yeah, Avenger Penguins is a real thing. It's immense, It's immensely stupid. Wow, uh, but yeah, it's a uh, uh, SWAT Cats was pretty decent. It wasn't as embarrassing as some of the other ones. Like, um, oh god, the other day. Speaking of which, the other day I found out that there was a Bubsy cartoon. Wow. Uh And what was the guy? There was like a voice actor, uh, a pretty famous voice actor that did all sorts of cartoon voices. Voices, and I, I managed to catch an interview clip with him where he called the bubsy cartoon the worst thing he's ever been a part of i don't doubt that that's true yeah (laughs) it's i saw some of it i could only stomach the first few minutes and it's so it's one of those like aggressively 90s things where it's like he's got attitude and we're never gonna let up on that gas pedal because he's gonna be all attitude in your face all the time and it's just like, shut up. It's just so annoying. Was it just uh, a pilot? I'm, I'm looking it
0: up on Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah, it
1: was just the pilot. It got posted to my favorite subreddit, uh, Obscure Media. It was sponsored by Taco Bell.
0: <laughs> Interesting. You know what's funny? I was looking up the uh, the Wikipedia here for the COW boys of Mew Mesa. And mm. I think it's funny. Two of the voice actors have... Pretty interesting names, given that they are on a cowboy show. The voice of Puma was voiced by Bill Farmer. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> that one's not as funny as the next one, though. JR was voiced by a guy named Michael Horse.
1: I, I know that name for something. Uh, I, I remember my my friend Gretchen uh, linked me to his uh, IMDb. I don't remember why, but I, that name sticks out to me, Michael Horse. And Of course, why wouldn't he be on... Oh yeah, a show about cartoon cows.
0: Horses. Horses. Film debut came in the role of Tonto in the 1981 movie The Legend of the Lone Ranger. A commercial failure. <laughs> he was also the Native American policeman in Twin Peaks.
1: In Twin Peaks, yeah. Okay, I can't remember how else I would know this guy. It must have been Twin Peaks. What a great name! For oh, a he guy did a in voice a on. Show. Did you ever see Duckman? Yeah, I did. Yeah, he did a voice on Duckman. Huh. So. That was a fun show. Oh, he was on Gargoyles. He's been around. He's on a lot, lot of voice stuff. Michael cool. Horse,
0: yeah. Good old Mike Horse. Love it. I love it. Speaking of Gretchen, that person will will come up again here in a second when we get into the emails. Which I guess are we ready for some emails?
1: Yeah. Okay. I'll read the first one. All or right. yeah,
0: you you go ahead and read the first one. All right. This is from Gianno. He says, "Hey there, drunk friends. Time for a topical question." We've seen what it takes to be a mayor in a video game, from Animal Crossing's Tortimer, a spiffy, top hat, and open-minded re- open mind regarding allowing all species to cohabitate and live together, to Final Fight's Mike Hagar, problem-solving with duplexes and a tremendous mustache. However, who has the qualities to be a good video game president? For my money, it has to be Samus, a woman who cared for a child of another species regardless of how she had been treated by the others of its kind, sensible dress sense and the ability to turn into a ball how about you have a great weekend do you have any presidential nominees within the video game pantheon
1: well first of all he said mike hager solved problems with duplexes Uh, i think he meant suplexes oh probably it's it's, it it actually you know it's conceivable that you could solve problems with duplexes Mm -hmm. and you know just build you know cheap housing yeah, something like that. I but, just I just know. read
0: it, I just read the teleprompter, man.
1: No, that's 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 what's uh, that's that is what he said. That was not <laughs> your mistake. I don't want you to get blamed for that, John. come on. I mean, are people sick of the Ken Griffey Jr. gag yet? Because you know that's going to be my my pick is a uh, Ken Griffey Jr. the star of Ken Griffey Jr. presents Major League Baseball would be my pick as a president. Jeez, um, there's also. Uh, you know, Mr. Wright from, or is it Doctor Wright? Mr. Wright from uh, Sim City, the green-haired mm, guy yeah. from the Nintendo version of Sim City. He seems like a solid dude, or maybe God from ActRaiser. There you go.
0: Yeah. Which is technically you, right?
1: Ah, that's your character. Yeah, not not me personally. Right, of course. Yeah. But um, huh. Uh, there's also uh, you know, you could go if you wanted to be evil, you could go like M Bison. Ooh, yeah, or, he seems uh, god- or like pre- that. presidential or, or Shanks soon.
0: There you go. I think I might have to go with uh, somebody like <laughs> a little on the nose, like Gandhi from Civilization, because he always seems to be the most ruthless, <laughs> but also kind of fair. and That seems like that seems pre- I don't know. That seems
1: not yeah, like Gandhi. one of my fit fa- Yeah, that's one of my favorite running gags in in any game ever. Is that Gandhi is just freaking like just impossible to. Well, is it? He, do you even negotiate with him, or does he just nuke you as, as soon as he can?
0: <laughs> it seems like anytime you just walk across a little corner of his plot, he's like, "Yo, what's up?" and he's just
1: ready to just bear down. <laughs> he's ready to throw down. Yeah, yeah. typical Gandhi. Yeah, classic. Um, <laughs> classic Gandhi. Yeah, that's really all I can think of. I think Samus would be a really good pick. Uh, although you don't really hear her talk or get any a whole lot of dialogue from her. Uh, so I don't know what her diplomatic skills would be like. So that's a that, good. Point. That's always yeah. a question. Yeah, it's
0: it's kind of hard to think about this in a in a presidential way, or at least it, in terms of characters that are um, kind of well known. Like I I just played the uh, the Trauma Center one of the Trauma Center games on Wii, and I thought the main character of that I was like, man, she's pretty diplomatic. But no one's going to know who that is, so I already kind of regret bringing it up. Um, <laughs> yeah, so very nice. There you go, John There's some presidents for you
1: well done Jono we got another email this time from Gretchen and uh, she is my friend from high school going all the way back to when I was 15 years old all right. uh, so I've known her a really long time uh, she, she doesn't even write a question she's just kind of talking and that's pretty on brand for her she <laughs> says I'm not I've not gotten to it as I'm still not caught up on drunk friend but Tales of a Lester Medium sounds conceptually similar to another podcast called OMG WTF OMGWTF Bible That's one guy translating the entire Hebrew Bible from the original language, which has no vowels, by the way, (laughs) while trying to make it as funny as possible. Then he has a guest read it and make jokes about it or pulls from pulls from uh, traditional interpretations. Things get pretty loose at times, quote unquote, lie with and quote unquote, come to are replaced with some pretty spicy language. And the Sabbath isn't Shabbat. It's the fucking Shabbos, <laughs> which is a great Big Lebowski reference. Yep, yep. Uh, so far, he's completed the entire Torah, just the first five books, and even the most boring parts are funny when two people are furious about how long it takes to describe building a tent. I actually find it definitely that definitely sounds interesting. like. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it definitely sounds like something that uh, I would not seek out on my own, but it sounds funny as hell. So yeah, if if uh, any of our Jewish practicing folk out there um, want to check out, uh, <laughs> OMG, what the what the F Bible? Yeah, yeah. I'm t- I, I see that that word and it's all in caps and I don't know, my brain doesn't know what to do with it at first. Yeah, but yeah, OMG, WTF Bible. Yeah, translating the entire Hebrew Bible from that, the original language.
0: That sounds like a lot more work than we put in for Tales, uh, Tales of the Lesser Medium, for sure. But I will say, <laughs> I do like podcasts, or at least entertainment, infotainment-type things that can teach me things while also making me laugh, because that's the best way to get my attention. So that's why I like, you know, a lot of the true crime podcasts that I like are a little more lighthearted, because they kind of mm. go over the material and find a way to, to soften the blow in a lot of ways. But I'm also very interested in it because I know there's going to be a laugh in there too. So I can appreciate yeah. that kind of thing. You know, you're, I'm sure people do get a lot from that. They're not going to sit down and read the Torah themselves. But if you put it in this frame and you, you reword it in ways that people understand uh, into some modern dialect and make it fun, hell yeah. Why not?
1: Sure. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it.
0: Why not? But yes, please listen to Tales of the Lesser Medium. I just want to plug it one more time because Gretchen did. I didn't start this. <laughs> please listen to that. It's a lot of fun. Check it out. We have a new episode coming uh, tomorrow, so it'll already be out when you get this. Okay. What game? Uh, Well, it's well, since this is going to be in the future of the past, it's going to be on the Blaster Master. Blaster Master series there. So Really? We take a look at the... Uh, we go through the FX9 Worlds of Power book for the first game, and then we nice. add on the sequels after that. It's actually a pretty fun and full narrative if you take the time to listen to it, it's about an hour and 20 minutes it's pretty Se- fun
1: sequels there's more than one sequel
0: there yeah there's one on the genesis i'm surprised you haven't sega drank it yet
1: no i, I that's the one i'm thinking of oh yeah uh, there's
0: more there's a uh, well there's a couple portable ones that aren't necessarily great there's a one on oh. ps1 called uh blaster master blasting again which makes me laugh as a as a title uh, there's one on the game boy game boy or game boy advance that's uh, enemy below
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 That yeah. one's kind of a disappointment, too. Yeah. And then
0: you have the uh, the ones on the Switch that are pretty new, the Blaster Master Zeros. But those are reboots, so we don't talk about them a ton. But, yeah, check it out. I think it's, it's one of our more fun episodes. Okay. Right on. Lastly here on the email front, we have an email from Tim. He says, hello, friends. Hello, Tim. I just listened to the episode with Genovi, and I thought it was a great episode. I've never heard of him before, and now that I'm subscribed to his YouTube channel, I am really enjoying his content. I am also a Seattle Mariners fan for the exact same reason he is, so I thought that was kind of funny. Anyway, since you guys are looking for more questions to read on the podcast, I thought I'd throw one out here. Of all the Chrono Trigger time periods, which one is your favorite, and why? Apologies if Travis hasn't played Chrono Trigger. I know Alex holds it in high regard. Thanks for the great podcast. So it's all you, buddy. I forget. Have you finished Chrono Trigger? I have, like, have I have played it. I work? definitely I don't have a good memory for it like you do. Uh I can I can throw out that I think I kinda like the sort of the Dark Ages period maybe a little more for some reason. I don't know why. Maybe that was
1: an easier the, part of the game. I can't remember. Six hundred AD. I like think when you go back I think so, yeah. frog. Yeah. Right on. That's that part has some of the best music in the game. My favorite is kind of the, the boilerplate answer, which is uh twelve thousand BC because uh, the game really gets good when you get there. Um, the music there is absolute top notch. You really, it's it's. I say this all the time when I do videos, but it's feels like the kind of world you just want to hang out in and just wander around. And you know, it's like the world of dreams or whatever you know, or the the land of dreams. Everybody's sleeping, and uh, it's it's interesting though because there's a lot of. Repression, there's a caste system, a very strict caste system where you've got uh the magic users up in the uh, the floating islands above, and then you've got the poor saps with sad faces uh on the land below where it's all you know it's horrible weather, there's barely any food, all that stuff mm-hmm. so it's 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 really interesting to see like you know there's all the atmospheric stuff, the mood stuff, the music, but then there's also like what the hell's going on here. Um, it's also got some of the best boss fights in the game with Giga Gaia. Um, and who do you fight after that? I forget. But, um, oh, and you also meet Shala. The music when you meet her is really awesome. You've got stuff like the Mammon Machine. Like, the story just gets really good um, at that point. Uh, you start to get to know the Queen. You meet Dalton for the first time, who's hilarious. Uh, you even run into Masa and Mune, or Mune, I guess uh after you know this is after you get the sword and uh this is all just i'm just i might as well be speaking in latin right now
0: huh? <laughs> i want to ask you because i i'm sure you've addressed it several hundred times you get asked about chrono trigger a lot but is this a game that you you played you know hot off the the shelves back in the day or did yeah. you yeah okay so how many times have you actually played
1: through it do you know i'm not even sure i lost count really um, okay a ton, yeah. At least, I would say, 15, 16, Jeez, somewhere in that range. Man.
0: I have a really hard time replaying the turn-based RPGs. Do you do that a lot, or is it just this game that does it for you?
1: It's really just that game. Wow. Uh, yeah, I remember first renting it. Uh, you know, it's a classic case of just playing a game, thinking that only 30 minutes went by, and it turns out it's 1 in the morning. And I was like, holy crap. You know, I played all the way up to... Uh, the first, the boss battle, right till you get magic, the boss battle against Hekran. And I was like, holy crap. Like, I, I was so engrossed in everything going on in this game mm-hmm. that I completely lost track of time. But yeah, it was, my first RPG I remember playing was was Secret of Mana. I remember uh, messing around with a couple others and then Chrono Trigger came along. And I can't remember how I heard of it. Um, it had to have been Nintendo Power or something like that. And just, I loved the artwork and, um, yeah, I I guess I just really liked the look of the game. So I rented it when, um, it first came out and yeah, it was, I was just awestruck. Um, I ended up getting, buying the game, like probably like a year later and, uh, finishing it then. Um, and of course, you know, there's a bunch of different, uh, Releases like I've I've finished it on the the PlayStation release with all the anime cutscenes, which was awesome. Uh, My roommate at the time, Tom, had that version, and then I played uh, played through it a couple times on DS just to see what the extra content would be like. And by the way, for what it's worth, the extra content on the DS version is is kind of blah. It's definitely not essential. Like if if you haven't played, if you're a fan of Chrono Trigger and you haven't played it, you're really not missing anything it's, extra stuff is just kind of there for the sake of being there. It's not that great, but um interesting. And they also tr- changed some of the dialogue which was a little disappointing for me, but uh yeah. They they uh yeah. Cool. Anyway. Well, I mean that, it, that's way too much on Chrono Trigger. No, I know.
0: I think it people are always asking you about Chrono Trigger. You they identify you with that in King Griffey Jr., which couldn't be more diametrically opposite <laughs> themes, but I think that's cool. So, Right on. Alright, so uh coming up next, we we have to thank our friend and buddy Seth, aka Captain Drachma for shooting that shot for us. He reached out to a guy who's well known for composing one of the more memorable soundtracks from the mid nineties, especially on the Nintendo sixty four. I mean everybody remembers some of the some of the big ones, especially maybe Mario sixty four, but Maybe second to that one, and I don't know if anything else can compete with it. But Pilot Wing '64, and we actually have the composer of that coming up next, and Dan Hess. It was a great interview.
1: Yeah, he's a really nice guy, really great guy, super insightful. Uh, talking about wh- not only what it was like to develop this music, but uh, working, f- you know, working on a Nintendo project. Um, and he also talks about uh, other projects he works on, and how it eventually led to him getting the heck out of the gaming industry altogether why he doesn't do any of that work anymore um and from his perspective it absolutely makes sense yeah there was a lot of industry scuttlebutt here that i thought was really interesting and
0: i think we made a friend here i'd be happy to talk to him just about anything he was a very very easy interview and i I enjoyed him quite a bit so i think everyone else will too so dan hess coming up
1: so what brought this on man really, it was um what brought it on was that uh I got a request from somebody i w w- <laughs> what I do on YouTube is i uh, my name is synest drunk, and you can interpret sure. that however way you want <laughs> it, 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 that's that's up to you, <laughs> but um I took a look at a game that somebody requested called pilot wing sixty four and um i i'm thirty eight years old so I did play it when I was a teenager when it came out in ninety six yeah but Revisiting it now, uh what still stands out to me to this day is the soundtrack and it's because of two things. One is that it's it still sounds unlike any other video game soundtrack I've heard before. And two is is like sonically it sounds different than any other even on the N64, there's nothing else that really sounds like that. So I guess we'll start there is right. uh how did how did you come up with like the sound database? And how did you come up with the uh, compositions?
2: Well, um, two great questions. Um, I think the reason it sounds different is I've been a sound designer since I was, you know, I didn't realize it but when I was 14 years old messing around with my synthesizers. But it brought me into a sound design, which means I literally specialize in specializing creating sounds, right? So um, the big difference between games today, the soundtracks and the soundtracks that were pre- uh, created on systems up to the Nintendo 64, uh, the difference is those systems were limited um, in the fact that you had to either create the sounds on board, like on a, through a chip, like in the Genesis and, uh, the, right. Nintendo, and the early Nintendo, Nintendo systems. And then the Nintendo 64 came along and it's basically a sample playback system, right? So if you want a snare drum or if you want a conga, whatever you're going to put in there, you have to sample it and then bring it in. And keep in mind that the whole game, I think it was an 8-meg cartridge for Pilot Wings. 8-meg. You know, we're talking <laughs> uh, about the size of, two mp3s or a decent mp3 at, at 320 like we sure know. yeah
1: one t- one tool game. song one short tool song yeah
2: <laughs> right right one short tool song exactly <laughs> and that's with the whole game every graphic all the programming everything so they allotted me a little fraction of that for for sound i think sound and sequences i got 800k wow <laughs> i know jeez kids these days, don't even express things in K. But it was that that all the sounds that make up that database. Every time um, you hear a song on uh, one of the tracks of, of uh, Pilot Wings, you notice that there's a lot of similar sounds because I had to reuse them. Right? I had to create a palette first, which is what I did. When right. I spent I don't know. I noodled around on my keyboards for a while to come up with some ideas. After I got to go see the um, the initial. Sketchings for the game before it was even really being programmed, but it came off to me like it was kind of funky. I mean these characters look funky, they're elongated, you know what I mean, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, they definitely so, had a cartoony funkiness to them, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah and and um our target target audience is you know five to fourteen, really, when it came down to it, so I put those two things together and I started creating some early tracks. Um, and before I started committing to creating a sound database, I uh, flew down to Dallas where we were creating the game and played it for not just the Nintendo team, which was at that point, just three members, but the entire, you know, paradigm production team. Um, are you familiar with how video games were made at that point where you'd have a producer of the game and then you'd have the actual company that was hired to, Create the game.
1: I mean the so, the programming and developing and that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, yeah,
2: that, that's done in house at, at, at the uh, in the studios or offices of the company that is hired by Nintendo to create the game. Where, but sure. you still have elements of Nintendo personnel that are there directing, um, literally producing the game. So technical things are being done by Paradigm, but um, design decisions, game especially gameplay decisions, are. Mostly made by the Nintendo team, and um, I knew I knew I had to get by them if I was going. Before I started investing too much time in a s- sound database, I had to play some tracks for him. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I was going to ask. Uh, that kind of leads me to another question, which is uh, how you know when Pi- Wings was a launch title? I think wasn't it, Trav? Was it? It was. It? Yeah. So. How, did it's a brand new system? Did you get any input on from Nintendo? <laughs> I, tell what, <laughs> I tell you what,
2: I tell you what. Did you two you know the story of how, why there are only two launch titles or three if you're in Japan? No. So, um, <clears throat> Nintendo, they leapfrogged the other systems, which were, which had just released 32-bit systems within the past couple years, right?
1: Right, Saturn and PlayStation, yeah.
2: Right, those were your 32-bit, and everybody was assuming that Nintendo was going to come out with this 32-bit system. Except they didn't. They um, they looked at their timeline and they thought they'd push it a bit, and they met with a legendary graphics company called Silicon Graphics, um, SGI, at the time, which was the standard of the industry for high-end graphics like uh, military simulators, and these workstations that SGI would create cost. Anywhere from 150 to 300 thousand dollar price range, um, and we're mostly for, like I said, simulation. Well, they met with them, and they and they said, if we give you a purchase order for just a massive amount of, you know, chips, can you create a chip for this game system, 64 bit? We're trying to produce. And long story short, uh, they did, and Nintendo jumped into this 3D market realizing though that they had never created a 3d games and that none of their current game developers knew how to create a 3d game right they're all scrolling games every game you sure. play right so they went out and they um they identified i think it was 10 now this is a, been a long <laughs> time but i think it were like eight or ten companies that they they call it their dream team they were going to bring uh to create these launch titles for the game and uh at, to answer more directly your question, there was very little resources on. You know, we were we were mocking the hardware in software, um, trying to create things on a, in a software environment that was mocking the what would be the Nintendo sixty four hardware because we didn't have it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Nobody did, yeah. um, and we were. A, I say we um, paradigm simulation is Where it first started, and these are friends of mine. I helped found that company and helped design their very first audio product they brought to market to become Paradigm Simulation. And after I don't know, let's see, it would be six or seven years of simulation, was when, uh, in that market and doing very well. That's when they were approached by Nintendo and they created Paradigm Entertainment out of Paradigm Simulation, and um approach this deal with Nintendo to create a launch title. So we had very little to go on. And I got to tell you, when I first saw the game, it, well, first I saw sketches of the game. And, um, you know, and I should not forget this guy's name. Um, the legendary uh, designer of Mario. Oh, Miyamoto? me out here.
1: Oh, Miyamoto. Miyamoto,
2: Miyamoto oh. was in on the initial design, right? So he came... And, and uh, he asked for an island to be created. And my, my best friend um, and one of the principals of the company, Wes Hoffman, and some of his team members went together and uh, got together and created this island. And and that was pretty much like what we had to start, an island, and just some ideas about what kind of things you could do. They knew it was going to be simulation-based and, because that's what Paradigm did. And that's about as loose as it was when I started – come down more on a regular basis to check things out so not much to go on man (laughs) that's what the game was you know there was no I didn't know anything about tasks none of that had been designed yet (laughs) you know gameplay I knew that they were talking to me about some of the different vehicles you'd be able to you know fly sure and that's as much as I had to go on
1: did you or did anyone else at Paradigm ever um uh, go back to the Super Nintendo version of Pilot Wings and you know, kind of I like... never
2: did, but I did hmm. after, and I, I only heard the the only track I heard for the original um, was the intro because they asked me to do a version of it. And um
1: sure. oh, sure, yeah,
2: so you oka, I think it's the composer, says she, yes, she did a great work on that. Now, when I went back and listened to it, I'm like, oh, this is good stuff, man, and and I I feel so bad because early on, or I should say, a couple years after the game, um, people were in the credits. They had um, different people listed for um, for um, writing the tunes and also for um, creating them. And I remember I answered in an early interview. Well, to my knowledge, I was the only one that worked on it. And yes, I created all the tracks myself. But one of them was the remake, at least the beginning of it, of Soyo's um, intro to the original S E N E S version of the game. So I apologize profusely <laughs> for that because I just did. I I had forgotten <laughs> that that was part of the tracks. Um, but oh, and you, one thing I'll say too is those all those g- game developers that were hired to create launch titles. We are the only company that made it to launch. They just it was a really brutal schedule. Wow. And everybody failed, so that's why you only had. <laughs> Pilot Wings and and Super Mario 64 as launch games, and uh and you can imagine the pressure we had on us from Nintendo to complete because we were the only one still running. You know, six months to go, and it was obviously we 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 were the only company that had a shot to to finish this thing. So it was definitely an intense. It was an intense experience.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I bet. It's it's pretty incredible that it all came together and it's fun to kind of hear those stories uh from so long ago. And I'm curious because of of your work, you know, creating the music um and you said you got directives from Nintendo. What what were your interactions with Nintendo like? Do you do you have any <laughs> memories of of any challenges or anything? I
2: sure do. I did because when I started creating some tracks, they were kind of funky. And being a video game player myself, I had other than the most amazing soundtrack I'd ever heard in a video game to date, which is, in my opinion, Toe Jam and Earl, one and two, very funky, oh,
1: good choice, and
2: spectacular <laughs> achievement—not only in music but in sound. Like what he was able to do with the chip, it, it's mind-blowing to me. It's absolutely, uh, and I—I I do hear other people who are game designers talk about, it, but the general public. Maybe not Mm -hmm. so much. I think it's an amazing game. I think the soundtrack's amazing. And I think his sound design and his synth programming is absolutely incredible. It's just, yeah. So, other than that, I hadn't heard anything like groove based, especially in Nintendo, right? It was mostly kind of esoteric and, uh, and say non melodic.
1: Very playful, like you think of Mario, you think of, you know, or dramatic, like Zelda or something like that. Yeah, Yeah.
2: definitely. There's some some amazing soundtracks that were done, Um, but I hadn't heard anything groove-based where you just have something. That's a
1: good point, yeah.
2: Right. So I didn't know how it was going to go over. It is what I was hearing in my head. So I created some mock tracks, and um, I went down and played it, and um, I expected a greater response from the American team from Paradigm and less of a positive response from the Japanese team from Nintendo. And yet it was just the opposite. Huh. <laughs> um, Wada-san, who was the um, director of the game, actually, he kind of cocked his head a couple times and he, after he heard it, he started nodding. Like he really responded immediately to these tracks. And, uh, some of the guys from (laughs) paradigm were like, Hmm. Yeah. Okay. It's pretty good. They, they weren't buying into it right right away, but I got the nod from Nintendo. So with that and also some feedback on what they thought of some different tracks and how they sounded, I was able to go back to Detroit where I live and start working on a database of sounds uh, to match the songs I was hearing in my head,
1: you know? Oh, right on. Yeah. So it's cool that um, w- what I came away with when I first revisited Pilot wings '64 uh, is that it's not so much that the game has aged well, and it's it's in my opinion it's kind of hard for games of that era <laughs> to age well because it's yeah. early 3D, and so it's yeah. like of course. But it's more like the genre has aged well because it's simulation, and it's really not. It's it's kind of a non urgent playthrough mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. you can just hang out on this island and you can fly around and the biggest part of that at least to me is the music because you're really just sitting back and just hanging out and flying around like a bird or flying around on a thanks, man. hang glider yeah no that's and so I feel like that is gone a long way to help influence other stuff that has that same kind of vibe and it's not necessarily in kind of like a funkier groove kind of a thing but stuff like Stardew Valley where yeah. it's not about combat. It's not about, um, you know, there's no urgency or, you know, the next boss fight or anything like that. It's just about, like, hanging out, chilling out, forgetting about everything, just disconnecting. You know, and... that's a
2: really good point. I'm not sure if that originated um, with Wada, the director. I'm not sure where that came from, mm. but it was... I remember it being talked about, like, to have this mode where it's just freedom with no... um um What's the word? We have something to do. A task. No tasks to complete and no time and an unlimited time to do whatever you want and explore. And to our knowledge, that had never been done like you said. So that was, it was two things. It was new as a game mode. And it was going to be new for me with music because um, <laughs> WADA had something in mind for this track he wanted for Birdman, he called it Floaty Fluffy. (laughs) Um, That's what he got, the direction I had, right? I had come down with all these tracks for different things. I I had an idea for the gyrocopter and for the uh, rocket pack, all these things. I had, for one thing, I didn't even know there was going to be such a thing as a Birdman, Um, this mode. So I learned about it on one of my trips down to Dallas. I'd stay for weeks at a time down there. And so I started sketching out different ideas for it as I'm doing some of the other songs. And uh, he didn't like any of them. I mean, he liked them. He just said, nope, not not for what he was looking for. He liked... He would give me direction, like he liked the direction that hang glider went. Um, It's like this little... uh, Come see, how'd that go? No? No? Oh, so... something like that right um so he he said it wasn't totally the feel he was looking for for Birdman but it was something more in that vein he kept saying floaty fluffy floaty fluffy. I must have written not exaggerating 20 30 different little tracks and he's like no 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 just kept turning me down I am I'm, I'm writing other tracks and I'm integrating them into the game and at that time um I was pretty much living down at the offices in in texas and um two of the principals of the company um wes hoffman who is my best friend in the world and mike engeldinger who is also one of my closest friends um we worked very closely together and mike had this huge office he's like dude why don't you just move in here they got you that little studio office he goes just move in we can hang out so i brought my whole workstation in there against the window in his office and working on headphones and i just started i'm like you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna force this i'm just gonna screw around with something like a mellow vibe you know i'm i don't know what floaty fluffy is exactly (laughs) because apparently i've tried 30 times and failed but i'm just gonna get in a mellow mood so i started creating these tracks and something started coming out it was like uh Something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I, I start I start coming across a chord progression for it, and I record it, put a quick beat on it, you know. Do it didn't have all the instruments or anything; it just had like you know some strings and that Rhodes synth pad, the Rhodes, the electric piano thing, and a bass, and these drums. And I just got this grin on my face. I thought, God, it sounds just like a. <laughs> Oh, my God. Not Luther Vandross. Who am I thinking of here? Uh, <laughs> hey, baby. He's got that. Terry White. Voice. Oh, Barry
1: White. Barry White.
2: Totally was. A, if you just would have added Barry White's voice to it, <laughs> I just thought that would have been a perfect piece, right? So right on. I, I, I said, Mike, you got to hear something. So I switched over to speakers and played it. We were just laughing. You know, just brought <laughs> smiles to our faces. And Wada just happened to be walking down the hall and- had stopped in the doorway and I turned and I saw him standing there and he is excitedly flapping his arms and smiling. And I'm like, That's Birdman? <laughs> He's like nodding, nodding, yes, yes. I'm like, Wow, okay. And that's how Birdman was born, the basic concept of Birdman anyway. That's awesome. So
0: I love hearing that. That's cool.
2: We had a great time doing that. It was a great game. Uh as far as a great team and it was a great experience working with all these people on this really accelerated, you know, schedule where we were all basically living there. It would be all hours. And I know anybody that has been a game designer knows what your hours are like, especially in those last, last year or the last six months. Um,
3: Mm -hmm.
2: The labs are constantly got music going. I mean, if four or five in the morning didn't matter, there was people in there working, um, and it was just a, it, we felt like we were all in it together. You know, it was, it was definitely a cool experience.
0: That's pretty cool. I'm, I'm right curious. On. You mentioned, uh, you know, there were some tracks that maybe Nintendo didn't take to, do you have a, a stash of, uh, I guess, unreleased pilot wings <laughs> tracks in a hard, on a hard drive somewhere in a bunker? Like, is there anything,
2: you know, I wish I actually had the original database I created on by Kurzweil K2500 that I used, um because I could have put out better sounding versions for everybody because the process of getting the sounds to fit and the sequences to fit in 800K, it takes a lot of audio compression mm-hmm. and, and it really brought the quality of the sound down considerably from what it sounded like coming out of my um, keyboard. Even, And I'm just using the same samples coming out of the keyboard. I wasn't cheating and using pads or... Patches from the keyboard itself, I was taking the exact same samples I created for the game, triggering them from the keyboard and creating and how I created the soundtracks. And it's, it'd be hard for me to describe the difference, but if you listen to a CD version of something or, or a better yet, like a high bitrate version of something, like a DVD version of something, and then go down to a, say, a 128K MP3, Mm -hmm. then you start Mm -hmm. to understand what I'm talking about. It lost a lot of its quality. And if I had just, Honestly, I don't know what happened. I was, I, it, well, let's see. How old did you say you were? 38?
1: I'm 38. I think Trev is like, what, 21, Trev? I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes. I'm 35.
2: So you might remember the early days of like optical storage or these things called CyQuest drives. They're like <laughs> little, they're about the size of a fat floppy disk, but they held like, I don't know, 80 meg on them or whatever. Is that I like, had, a,
1: like a zip disk? Like a zip
2: disk, exactly a zip disk. So, all my work was on zip disks at the time. And, dude, I don't know what I did with my zip disks from wings. It's a shame. Good I don't like filing a
1: a working zip drive. Oh, I have one. I never. Do you I have one?
2: Sitting sit here on my shelf right now. I'm looking at oh it. Oh my god. Yep. I, zip Plus. I think I still zip have
1: zip some. disks. For, I w- I went to school for graphic design. And I had to throw all my whole portfolio. Really? On Where'd zip you go? Disks and stuff. Oh, I went to some crappy. Uh, school that no longer exists uh it was called brown college in mendota heights minnesota oh and, uh, nice You're yeah they the they west yeah they were mostly uh radio people but yeah i was gonna say though um when you talk about the uncompressed versions so to speak of soundtracks mm-hmm. i think the guy that did the Goldeneye soundtrack for n64 grant kirkhope mm-hmm. uh a few years ago he actually published on YouTube the uncompressed yes. version I, and I the heard how does it leap, sound? The leap in quality is more th- I mean it's more than noticeable. It sounds yeah. like CD quality. It's yeah, that's how it was a for huge me. huge upgrade.
2: It, I I was really and I'm a sound designer so I was able to fix as much as I could with every sound design trick I had to make these samples that were compressed sound as as good as I could but it it was a pretty severe limitation. 800k for not just the sounds but all my sequences, and it just was what it was, right? That I I, I kick myself that I and maybe who knows, maybe I'll come across those missing discs one day. I will say, um, there's a version um, of the tracks. El Spiro, are you familiar with her?
1: No, I don't think so. Okay, are you tra- have you heard that name, Trev? I haven't. Okay, so yeah.
2: her YouTube. I should know this. She's got a great... she. Her whole YouTube page is devoted to re-releasing the N64 soundtracks. She's she's redone through this process, and it grabs the data from these ROMs and extrapolates them in a way that sounds so much better than even what it did coming out of the... She's going to kill me, too. Let me try find her. <laughs> I'll, I'll, uh,
1: That's interesting. That's not... A, that definitely... I, couldn't have been a thing uh on any you know i'm a big super nintendo guy uh i don't think that was you know you're not pulling uncompressed music from you know the, <laughs> no. the samples coming off a super nintendo card those are or anything all ships like yeah it
3: was a yeah. totally
2: different experience oh, she's yeah gonna kill me i'm trying to think of the name of oh it's called video dash game ost hq and she does in fact that whole version oh, there of the go. soundtrack if you want to listen to any of the um, of the tracks, and I just got right totally, on. I, oh well,
1: wow. yeah, totally we I... got Tur- we got the Turok games here. We got Perfect Dark. We got Killer Instinct Gold. There's a lot of stuff here. Yeah, listen, she did and an the Burt amazing Man cap. Retro is is featured there, so that's cool.
2: <laughs> it's good stuff. She she's brilliant at what she does. Um, you know, what blows me away is the I get such great correspondence from people um who played the game in the past and tell me what the what the memories of the music mean to them um it's honestly it, it really took me by surprise something I never would have expected um
1: I was I would imagine that must be weird for you since you're all like kind of in the moments when when you think about the game you're thinking about the creative process and you know the what it was like to work with those people and coming up with the ideas and stuff like that absolutely and meanwhile yeah, and then meanwhile today, you got people that are still playing the game every once in a while. Yeah, that blows <laughs> like, me away oh,
2: too, right? I'm, I, but, yeah. but, but the target audience was younger, and yeah. I don't know if you ever read any of the original reviews, but a lot a lot of times my soundtrack was panned. You know, these were older people, right? So they were in their 30s and late 20s at, at the time in 96, right? So
0: yeah. Boom. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, they'd say, "Oh, they sound like porno music or whatever." They, they just didn't get it, <laughs> and I stopped paying attention. I mean, I was I went on did some other games and just went about doing my thing. But um, years later, I was uh, at a gig and I had this younger bass player, and at the end of the gig, he came up. He goes, "Are you the Dan Hess that wrote Pilot Wing '64?" And I looked at him like. <laughs> How would you possibly know that? He goes, man, I thought I was playing with you tonight and I Googled you. And uh, he goes, you need to go on YouTube and just type in your name and Pilot Wing 64 and look at what comes up. Now, this is probably 2000, I don't know, 9, 10. I don't even remember. Probably 10 when he told me this. And I had not looked into anything about the game since 1996, right? So... <laughs> I knew that through the company, we'd sold like over 2 million copies and it had been rented like millions and millions of times. That much i known from um, late 90s when I was working in other games with Paradigm, But that's as much as I knew. And I never had any feedback from the actual kids that were playing the game. None, right? Other than my own kids and the kids hmm. in the neighborhood. Um, so I couldn't believe it. There, they're Actually, some of the postings are gone now. But... Um, the ones there are still some out there where there's like a hundred thousand comments or 80,000 on each song. It blows me away. Everybody's talking about the memories they have of, you know, being nine years old and flying around and leaving the music on overnight. And I've even had mothers reach out to me <laughs> and tell me they would have their kids get to a certain point in the game, and leave it on for them <laughs> just so they could wow. hear the music. <laughs> but all the people who have gone on to do things in aeronautics, like, become pilots or they're hang gliding. They tell me that they kept their had their had my music playing for their first flights. And I, I can't tell you how many amazing people reach out. They started, they found me on YouTube and um, started reaching out and sending me their experiences and thanking the music. And sometimes it actually chokes me up. I mean, it's, it's crazy to me. It's uh, really super cool to be part of a positive memory of somebody's childhood
1: yeah it's it just goes to show you you just never know what what <laughs> what's gonna happen when you put something when you're a creative person you put something out into the world and it's like well done with that and on and your meant your mindset is i'd imagine at the time is like on to the next thing yeah what do we do next and in the meantime here you know you get to look back and see like holy crap there's <laughs> right on of thousands of people yeah that's Fair awesome up, man
2: that's exactly how it is it just that's really cool that's a crazy thing have you had a chance to listen to any of that track i did when you asked about um songs that didn't make it um i think i i might have some on other games i posted on my youtube if you go to videos on my youtube page um did you hear the remake of birdman there were so many requests for me to do remakes of the songs and frankly, it's just hard to find the time, right? To a lot to it. Um, I'm always <laughs> I can noodle them around, but to actually sit down and frame out a, a session and create it, it just wasn't happening as uh, as often as I had intentions to do it. And finally, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to sit down and do one. And Birdman was the most requested, so I had so many ideas for what I wanted to do with it. But I thought I'm just going to start off with a track that starts off very similar. To the feel of the original, and then I'm going to branch it off slightly over to more organic, uh, and see how people respond to that. So I created that. And I, my idea was I'll do that, and I'll create a Patreon page, which I did. And if people are legitimately interested in having me create more music like that in that mode, or even some of the remakes, that we could go that route. Um, so that's what I did. Have you had any? Have you listened to any of those sure. tracks?
1: I have okay. uh trav have you have you checked that out I think you, we were talking about it earlier this morning yeah yeah
2: okay because there is um a, a version there is a a track that actually pre-existed pilot wings it was one that um that uh something i had been messing around with I had a sound design company we were creating sounds for professional recording at the time we were working on the 60s and 70s keyboards and instrument uh, database uh, library for people who were creating music and wanted to play like the original Rhodes electric pianos and all these basses and things. And as a demo for one of them, I created. It's posted on there as um, Pilot Wing sixty four Rocket Pack demo. And that oh, okay, it was that pre existed the game. That was a song that I have, and I played it for Wada as it was, and he's like, "Yes, that, do that." And that became the Rocket Pack. And this, it's a little better quality um, Then, I guess it's kind of like what we were talking about. Cause I think this is a wave file. So you get a chance to listen to that. Then I give it maybe something along that. And there's also th- called funky little fusion wave that also pre-existed the game, but not by long. It was something I was just messing around with. I was noodling around. I wasn't even playing to a, to a click or anything. I just messed around and my partner had hit record on the sequencer I didn't know on this electronic on this e piano, you know, thing I was working on, just screwing around. He's like, dude, I just recorded that. You should turn that into something. I go, Oh man, it was a lot of time and stuff. He's like, just so I added a bass and drums. And it it it's a precursor to pilot wings because it it's I think if you listen to it, funky little fusion thing, you'll see how pilot wingish it is, you know?
1: (laughs) It should be a genre at the CD store if those still exist <laughs> Pilot wing-ish So yeah. yeah, listeners can go to youtube.com slash user slash sonicartist313 uh, That's Dan Hess's YouTube page yeah, and you can you can hear all these yourself <laughs> and uh, you also have a Patreon that is uh, you've got it linked here on one of the videos uh, for Birdman So yeah, you can just head there Um and check that out. Uh, and I highly recommend you do, especially since, you know, it's not just a nostalgia thing. Uh, at least not for me. Um, I did play Pilot Wings a little bit when I was uh growing up, but it's it's that it just stands out so much. You know, like we were saying earlier with you know, with Mario, you've got the da-da-da-da-da, you know, mm-hmm. the happy, yeah. playful, we're walking, it's sunshine, blah, blah, blah. And, here we've got something completely different that's it, it really kind of in my mind changed what uh a little bit what was possible with video game music like oh this is more than just you know music type A or music type B or music type C or whatever this is like its own th- like I could listen to this on its own Oh thanks man pl- <laughs> play the game I know it sounds like I'm sucking up right
2: now No but- <laughs> I, I appreciate it man I do appreciate it I, I uh it's funny because uh when I was when I found out that there was still there were still people out there listening or that appreciated the music, one of the things I read often is it's like the original Vaporwave because they listen to Birdman ah, as a precursor to Vaporwave. It. And that's just funny to me. But um, <laughs> I did I, 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 uh, <laughs> I just I can't I just blows my mind uh, where things have gone online for as far as a whole community of people that follows the music that we created like i don't even know 20
0: yeah 25 years ago or so yeah
2: good 25 next to this coming year
0: speaking of you know genres and that kind of Mm -hmm. thing i mean were there any artists from that time or you know what were some of your big influences um maybe even growing up and and prior to working on pilot wings are there any artists that you you followed then um i
2: i know of 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 pilot wings um i'm I grew up in Detroit, right, so I was listening to, as a young kid, a lot of mm-hmm. Motown, a lot of funk, a lot of soul, a lot of R&B, and I'm also, you know, a rock musician, so I have all that floating around in there, but I always responded to something that was funky or soulful, that's just, and gospel you know, I mean, old-school gospel, that stuff hits me hard, so I know... All that stuff, Sly and the Family Stone. Did you ever, by the way, see the breakdown? Is it Eight Bit Theory, Eight Bit Music Theory? There's a brilliant, brilliant webpage, page, uh, a uh, YouTube channel where this guy is a, a pretty amazing uh, musicologist, and he breaks down video games from a music theory perspective. And he does one on Pilot Wings, and I got to say, he nails it. Like his wow. Spend a, spend a couple minutes to watch that thing, and it's going to answer a lot of your questions. I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, he did, and it, he and he was bringing up a lot of those influences, some that I didn't even consciously think of, you know. But I'm like, yep, that makes sense. Yep, that, he, was, he was almost right on on everything.
0: Cool. Oh, that's fascinating.
2: But you know, uh, we all bring our we all bring our experiences. We don't even know, right? We're all yeah. we're all a bundle of our. Uh, of our inspirations, you know?
1: Sure. There's some subconscious stuff leaking in there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So after pilot
0: wings, you went on, I think you worked on F one grand Prix <laughs> after that, that was the, the next game. Are there any interesting moments or stories working on that one? It kind of gets overshadowed by your pilot wings, <laughs> uh, work, but
2: yeah, i tell you what, what, what I think about when I play that game with my son, we played it, I don't know, a couple of years ago, this brought it back up. Um, the game developers, it wasn't paradigm. It was, I wasn't, uh, Nintendo it was video systems. I'm trying to remember.
1: Yeah, that sounds video, right. Does that yeah. sound right? Okay, I'm, so a video. I got system. it pulled up right now. Yeah,
2: and they were. Um, they had a couple ideas for it that made it difficult. Um, one thing is they had this idea they wanted a guitar-based soundtrack. Well, in light of what we've already discussed about this small amount of yes. data, I had um, guitar sounds are very difficult to pull off and a sampler. Like if you sample individual guitar notes and try to make it sound like an electric guitar, it usually sounds like absolute crap. I mean, just like you're playing (laughs) your kid's keyboard or something. Um, so I said, okay, um, what we can do is we can have less tracks and I can sample sections of songs. I'll create them, record them in the studio, then sample sections and have it. Nope. Didn't want that because they had, they had like I don't know, 30 tracks they wanted to do. Like, well, that's never going to work. Okay. Um, I really lobbied hard against trying to make it guitar-based because it just doesn't translate well. But they put their foot down, so I had that I had that uh, issue to deal with. And then they said, we want the pit boss to be in your ear all the time giving you updates on the race. <clears throat> and as soon as I started thinking about that, I'm like, okay, well, you have like 22 laps, and like 20... 20- two drivers and I had this massive (laughs) um, grid in my mind of how many phrases need to be said for every driver, for every possibility, for every lap, right? Like Schumacher is eight laps ahead of you or, you know, so Schumacher and eight had to be inserted, right? I mean, you can't record every phrase. There'd be hundreds and hundreds of them. And that was just out of the question. So I immediately got to work on how this was going to happen because we had this little tiny little bit of memory all this had to fit in and we went to a mm-hmm. studio and i i ended up um i ended up kind of conceiving a plan because I didn't want it to sound like what you've heard a thousand times from old video games like schumacher is eight laps ahead <laughs> that kind of thing right because <laughs> yeah. all these pitch things are yeah. changing and i thought okay let's i'm going to feed the voice talent phrases and I'm going to feed him the lines. He's going to read it back to me until I like the way he says it. And then I'm going to sample that on a key and play it back for him. And then he'll insert each one of those names in it, hearing it just before he says it. And that's, so he was feeling the energy. It was coming back at him through his headphones and then he'd say the names all 22. We did it over and over. And then all the numbers. And we did that for every phrase of the game and I started looking at this ginormous uh, editing task in front of me oh to make God. all these work so that sound so when they played together it sounded just like somebody was speaking in your headphones. And I looked at my production schedule. I thought this is never going to happen. I got all the sound effects for the game to do all the sound, the whole sound database for the music and all the tracks. So I lobbied to have my partner in my sound design company, uh, Sonic Arts, back in Detroit. I lobbied how I went to the team. I said, look, the only way this is going to happen is if we bring John Vitale down here and have him assist me and have him just, I'm just going to hand this whole, once we get out of the studio with all these recordings, these voice recordings, um, I'll hand it over to John. And he did like a spectacular job. Like when I listened to it, I never hear any of that. It just sounds like oh, your hmm. pit boss is speaking to you. So yeah. and I, I got to tell you, for, to pull that off, he had to change like time compression and pitch on inflection on individual, um, not just words, but individual syllables within the word to make it sound like there was no uh, jumping, that right?
1: Yeah, that it's all continuous and it's not, the edits aren't obvious. Yeah, I'm sure exactly. there's like, lots of like crossfading. Every, every and sentence out. had
2: multiple edits. So if you don't hear that, that's brilliant. And I credit John Batelli you hear this you're freaking amazing it was amazingly well done man um that that now i have to go play that
0: game just to hear the. yeah please do man You'll, you'll
2: hear what i'm talking about kudos to john man and that's that's mostly what i think about that and i want to strangle jason rice who is the lead audio engineer the audio software guy he was really busy doing some outside of work things he was like in local theater and things and he just was not Producing um, the code that he needed to create. Um, to this day, if I play that game, I hear the same um, sounds for, say, um, uh, like a bump, like a I don't want to call it an accident, but every time your car touches something in the game, anything from the road to a wall to a berm, whatever, there's a different sound associated with it and then there's different levels of velocities for that because it's going to sound different if you hit a wall at five miles per hour than if you hit it at say 100 miles per hour or 40 or 30 right and there's all these Mm -hmm. things your car's hitting all the time and i i created months worth of sound effects for the game and the same one plays every time it sounds like it sounds like you're hitting a bunch of trash cans and i alerted this (laughs) i can't tell you how many times during a year long production schedule. Jason, you got to get to that table, man. You're you're triggering the same sound out of hundreds of them. Yeah, 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 I'll get to it. Yeah, yeah. Well, guess what? He never got to it. Um and 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 he was dropping notes from my uh like there's a like a, instead of that it would be it we cut all these notes out. Oh. And I first I thought it was me, because we're, we're talking about early interfaces for the Nintendo 64. It was archaic MIDI things we were working with at the time, right? And um, I thought, well, maybe in one of these processes, somehow I'm dropping notes out. But I went over it like 10 times, and I looked on the screen. I'm like, nope, the notes are there. The samples are there. They're not mm-hmm. triggering. So I turned this over to Jason. Man, my my sequences are dropping notes. Look at this. Well, I never got around to it. To this day, if I listen to the soundtrack, it drives me insane because there's all these missing notes in my turnarounds and my grooves. So, oh. there's two total geeky things about Formula One <laughs> Grand Prix soundtrack for you. My rant is over, brothers. That's
0: another one where we want to see the uh, <laughs> we want to see the full the full set of original tracks in that bunker when you find them.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, guys, I really wish I could. I I don't honestly don't know how I ever let that happen. I guess like you said, you, you guys nailed it when you said you just move on, right? You go to the next yeah, thing mm-hmm. and um, after F1, I don't know if you knew about this, but there was plans to do a Pilot Wing 64 version 2 and I started working on that and I already had the oh. database created and I had a completely new game developer uh, I mean, not a developer a completely new director we were working with um, <laughs> and we're starting to go down that path and then they killed it. So and then I got. Uh, I was going to do the Spy Hunter game. The Spy Hunter was an old arcade game from the '80s, where you're basically mm. looking down the road and you're looking the James Bond car and you're, you know, trying to kill all these other guys that are coming at you in vehicles. It was actually one of our favorite games, Wes and I, growing up. And here we have the opportunity. He's the director of the game, my best friend. I'm all excited to do it. And <clears throat> I guess this kind of tra- uh, this will transition into why I got out of doing video game soundtracks. Um, so throughout this discussion you see it's more as much of a technical process as it is an artistic one right you can't just create sure, right, yeah. soundtracks right i'm not in a studio recording music and setting them um well i had worked with paradigm well before there were ever video games involved um i'd done all their audio work for years so i was the obvious choice to, to be the one to create pilot wings because i knew all the ins and outs of the integration of sound as not just the music part. So that went on. And then from that, I got this formula one grand prix. There was no real bidding process. I had to submit some timelines, but they were completely out of my control because things were changing completely all the time. Right. So I just had an hourly and we just, whatever it came out to be, it came out to be, however, all that changed and by Hunter, they thought, well, we're going to do bids. We're going to put this out for open bid. I'm like, okay, fine. So I, Knowing what I knew from creating just creating two and a half games, I put my bid together. And let me tell you, you have to sign on a dotted line that you will do, quote, whatever it takes to complete the game, end quote. I sign my name to that. Not like I'm done and I think I'm done, but you don't think I'm done. We fight over it. There's none of that going on. Mm -hmm. So knowing that, I put my bid in, and uh, the president... At the time, uh, Dave Gatchell, good guy. Um, he calls me. and says, "Well, Dan, we got your bid, and I just got to tell you, we have some, we have some lighter bids." I'm like, "Okay." Um, I said, are, "Are these people who have created Nintendo 64 games before?" <laughs> well, no. Right. He goes, "Well, one of them's about half." I go, "Okay, if that if that's the case, if somebody's going to do this for half, either they're rich and they don't need the money, or..." they're naive and they have no idea what it is they're getting into, or they have somewhere in between. And they might think that they're going to record some music and send it to you. And they're going to move on to the next project so they can make their monthly. Right. (laughs) Meanwhile, Mm -hmm. you're stuck with a bunch of tracks that you can't integrate. He goes, well, maybe that's the case, but uh, can you come down? I go, Dave, no. I mean, this is a year by life or more. And, 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 and there's this dot, dot, dot thing that says, I have to do whatever it takes. It could, who knows what, what this is going to create take for me.
1: That seems absurd to me, yeah. But that's and what you it have seems to like do, that's, right? Yeah, it seems like that's that kind of crap has become normalized in the gaming industry. We hear Ooh. about it more more and more now. Mm-hmm. And it's really... Uh, it's, I, it's
2: tough to deal with. Absurd to me. It's tough to deal with, but you yeah. get it, right? Because at the end of the day, the game's got to get done. And they know yeah. they know that only you can really finish your music, right? You're not going to hire mm-hmm. somebody else. So I stuck to my guns, and they went with this other cat uh, to do the track and just like I said 10 months down the road I get a call from Gatchel <laughs> and let me also preface this that the entire time I'm getting feedback from my best friends like first really disappointed he was almost angry with me at first that I wouldn't
3: mm-hmm.
2: I mean he was oh, on the sideline of the process but he's like dude come on we got to create this game together this is one of our dream games right mm-hmm. and I'm like dude I, I'd love to but I'm not gonna I mean You make a nice, handsome salary, my friend. You're an equity player. I'm, at this point, um, I'm on the outside as a 1099, right? So I'm a subcontractor, and I got to live. So um, he was a little (laughs) irritated with me, but he understood that part. But he would feed me all the way through those 10 months. He's like, ah, this guy, he's not delivering on time. We have to press him every time (laughs) we need these tracks. He didn't understand he had to create a sound database, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, wow. Shocking, right? <laughs> so Dave Gantzel calls me 10 months or so down the road. Yeah, you're right. We we can't get him to come in. He won't come in and integrate. We're stuck with these tracks. Can we please offer you a contract to come and fix all this? And I went, no. It's yeah. not worth it to me. For one thing, I can't get inside somebody's head. If I would have created the tracks, I could have integrated them. I had the plan. It's all in my head. Who knows what he had in his head? I don't know. What I'm going to run into. And besides, why am I going to fix this mess? You made it because you didn't believe me when I told you what it was going to take to make this game. Exactly. So maybe right. next time you'll take my bid more seriously. And I felt bad for Wes, my buddy, because it created hell. Hell for him. I, I, I remember um, I actually took a tour with uh, Robert Black, R- Robert Bradley and the Blackwater Surprise, this great singer songwriter and band out of uh, Detroit at the time. And uh, I have we happened to go down through um, Texas where he lives, and um, he came out. I think met met me in Austin, and I had never seen him more stressed. And I have seen him stressed through these other video games, but I'd never seen him more stressed. I was actually worried. Um, basically, kidnapped him and threw him on the tour bus, and we kept him from from Austin <laughs> to New Orleans. To Birmingham, Alabama, all the way to Atlanta. I think he finally flew home from Atlanta. He's like, "Dude, I got to get back. I'm in the middle of this video game." I'm like, "I know," but I think it did him good. But uh, it allowed <laughs> us to talk about it, you know?
1: Oh, sure, yeah.
2: But that was the last game I did because I was competing with people who either could afford to do it for pennies or didn't understand it in the bidding process. And I just, I just threw my hands up, and said, "Forget it."
1: done that's it's super insightful thanks for for explaining all that because it really is uh people that just you know like they they see it as like oh i can uh this this will be my big break i guess <laughs> yeah know? this will be my big break into the industry and it's like you're gonna break your your brain first <laughs> before the industry breaks <laughs> for you at least of back the, then
2: right back then i yeah i, I yeah. will say people used to approach me Um, Then and and all through the early 2000s, hey, how do I get in video games? And I share what I knew. But it's different now because there is a ton of opportunity for tracks for video games because there's thousands of them on (laughs) on phones, on every possible way there is to play a video game. They're coming at you. So um, I'll tell anybody who's interested in it, you're, you're in a better position now to become a video game soundtrack creator than you ever were in history.
1: Good there you go, folks. Get get out there and start. Get writing. out there. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I think yeah, that about man. wraps it up, Trav. do you, Do you have any other questions? Uh, I I don't. We can move in. We have a couple uh,
0: of listener questions, oh, and did we end up getting them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we do have one, and it's actually from the uh, the guy who set you up with us, uh, Seth Hoffman, cool. uh, who's a member of our Discord. So so thanks, Seth. He goes by Captain Drachma so, Okay. Uh, we're we're happy. Yeah, we're happy he it's reached okay. out and. uh yeah, he just wants to ask, do you, you know, do you enjoy playing video games now and do you have any other hobbies outside of music? Oh God.
2: Uh I absolutely. Uh I, I don't play as much. Um I'll, although I, I have to limit myself to just two games because I'm in the middle of a giant development of a I'm creating a drum library, um, for a company called Slate Digital and it's like the de facto, one of the de facto standards for drum recording when you're triggering drums in the studio or live or replacing drums that are on a track this is like standard of the industry uh product where you load their drums up and use them to replace your drums or to trigger and uh very good friend of mine al sutton who is actually the sound man of my uh first uh signed band in the 80s he's now grammy award producer of greta van fleet like two years ago he won his Wow. His grandma with Fred, and he just never stopped. He's an amazing producer, an amazing drum sound. So he's left to a drum library. I'm still working on it. It's a massive project. So I don't have the problem is if I start playing video games more, it just eats up my time, and I'll be addicted <laughs> to these things. So two games I play: Rocket League, because both my boys play, and they're like, Dad, you dig this game, and <laughs> it is. I know you. Heck I'm sure yeah. you've played Rocket League. So, um, and the other game, which is absolutely incredible, and as a sound designer, I geek out over it, is uh, Hunt Showdown. Are you familiar with it? It's a first-person shooter, post-apocalyptic, set in like the 1800s in the South, like in the Bayous. So, post-apocalyptic, you have like zombies out there, and it but sound is important because you have to play head with headphones because. You can't just run around shooting things up because it attracts the attention of things that could easily kill you in numbers. And you're also dealing with other characters, you know, player characters out there who are trying to kill you, and you're trying to kill them. So sound is really important. You try not to make too much of yourself to give up your location. And check that game out. I know there's a, probably hundreds and hundreds of other games I would get into. I just, <laughs> I just don't have the time. I'm a first. I'm a huge doom quake guy from way back those are the games that oh, just right on blew my mind i honestly probably would have done a lot more video game soundtracks had i not got addicted to quake which came out <laughs> relatively about the same time as i was creating pilot wings when you think about it you know so oh,
1: yeah.
2: how about you guys what, what are your games too many to list
1: oh dude i'm still playing stuff from you know 30 years ago 25 years ago cool. that i missed the first time around yeah you know I because for me it's like, well, Super Nintendo became my hobby and while everything else kinda kept going, I kinda stayed with Super Nintendo. I felt an obligation to stay behind and like, well, cool. there's like a thousand games for this, so <laughs> I need to play as play many as once. I can. <laughs> yeah. That's I do play cool. like some modern stuff. Meanwhile Trav over here is even further back than me with the NES. Wow.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'd dance around with that old thing. Uh <laughs> very inspired by alex but uh i went i went older for some reason um, wow i i have heard of of the hunt showdown I, I i remember seeing a trailer for it now and it does look it looks awesome and uh, i'm sure the sound design's great and speaking of that kind of like sneaky sound design stuff i'm also i'm playing the last of us 2 currently and that's another one another one where you know you have to you have to watch yep, your step I've and heard be,
2: be quiet and... good things about last of us 2 really good things about
0: yeah it's that. fantastic yeah, it's a
2: you know it's pretty great. So you're both using emulators to play these old games. I remember when I discovered I could use Mame to play the original arcade games. because sure. I'm considerably older than you guys, so I grew up in the arcades, and it's incredible to play games you never even had the chance to because either they didn't even come to the states, or they might not even have been uh, it never came to market. Period. i like four thousand plus games on my Mame, and just for yeah,
1: you know. Kicks. Well, Just earlier.
2: Screw around with them, you know?
1: Earlier today, I was playing an arcade game that Konami made in the early 90s. What it's is it? based on a, a licensed uh, TV series, animated TV series called The Wild West Cowboys of Moo Mesa. <laughs> what? And it's Mumesa. like, this is real?
2: <laughs> like, what are these? Cow? I remember them. Literally, they're... cow cowboys are like. Yes.
1: Wow. They, they're quite, and they have names like Sheriff uh, Tara Bull and uh you know just bad puns all over the place and it's amazing yeah. it's like i had no idea this existed and it's ridiculous but i love it oh
2: that's so. that's exactly <laughs> what we love getting into some games some crazy game and we special look for games you can play head-to-head right that's that's the prime sure found one yeah a japanese game called Slapshot. i think um and okay, yeah. I, I never saw it in the arcades or anything, but it is a riot to play head-to-head. And shout-out to another great soundtrack and another great uh, a game from Sega Powerball, where it's a combination of, like, soccer, rugby, football, and ninja skills all-in-one. You beat the crap out of each other while you're trying to either uh, shoot, kick the ball through what would be like a goal or walk it into the end zone and score more points but it's a brutal game and soundtrack's great and the action is great on it if you do play it it's not as fun unless you know the the cheat code to get the other teams because if you don't have that whoever takes england dominates because the the statistics are way better but if you type BBC, bbc bbc uh you get um you get the other teams at the bottom and then you can choose like germany or canada no germany or france i think are the other really good teams and then seriously you guys oh. gotta try that one that's a good one
1: i gotta try that yeah <laughs> and i've got i've got the code to use now too yeah, so, um, yeah we got some retro, we got, we got a scoop right
0: there that was pretty and
2: good if i don't if that's not correct but i think it is because it makes sense to be bbc i i'm sure you can find that on google you know find out what the code is for yeah them game
0: fight on. or
1: something like that yeah the thing all writers. right dan
0: well, we really appreciate it man this has been a very enlightening and we're i'm really glad you were so open with us we didn't you know we didn't really know a ton to ask but you you just opened the door and, and now i'm <laughs> i have a great even greater appreciation for the soundtrack than i already had oh thanks man appreciate yeah, it
1: and even especially the inner workings of like you know when you talk about why you've gotten out gotten away from video game oh. music it's it makes sense. It's because there's t- just too much out of your control.
2: Yeah, it, it moved. On. It had moved on, and I, I wasn't ready. I was going. So, yeah. It, so it was all good. I had a great I time you. doing the games. I did moved on to do other yeah. things, and you know, I, I travel all over the place. I love to travel, and I'm still doing. I'm still gigging in between creating yeah. the sound stuff. I'm still out doing dueling piano shows. If you're hip to that, I'm all over the country playing dueling pianos, like for fundraisers and private events all over the country so mostly east of the of the rockies but pretty much all over um, right on so until summer yeah
1: are there any <laughs> other projects or anything like that you want to plug or let people know about
2: other than the drums which will be out oh, i think mid 2021 um not really because this drum library is just consuming me i mean i work on it Ridiculous hours. I'm literally in my basement studio every day from 8 to 10, you know, until it's video wow. game time. Until it's <laughs> wine and video game time. Um, and I will say, um, <laughs> right on. I have an amazing girlfriend uh, who lives in Iowa um, and I'm in Detroit. That's how great she is. I'll drive eight hours um, constantly to see her. And she is definitely much more of a hobby, but she's the uh, love of my life and um she <laughs> supports me in everything i do and it's just Sweet. an amazing thing man
1: right on, dude, you got it cool. made man sounds like it anyway.
2: i do i got two great boys <laughs> uh my oldest is 30 let's see teller's gonna kill me he so 89 jeez he's 31 yep. yeah, 31 Yeah. and uh my uncle's is 24 and uh
1: don't worry about it my my dad just turned some age the other day and i i, I honestly have no idea how old he is oh god it's not <laughs> I'm like 78 so i think <laughs> i'm sure he's so they're probably doing <laughs> right <laughs> right right hey oh, thanks for coming by and making the sure, time man we really appreciate you me. yeah
0: yeah now let's stay in touch i'm looking forward to whatever you put out oh thanks man yeah. anytime hit me up whenever
2: All All right on sounds good hey take thanks, it easy guys. okay it's been a pleasure man Take care, yeah, guys. Yeah. Enjoy. See ya.
0: All right, that's been another Drunk Friend podcast. As always, you can reach out to us with any questions or comments at drunkfriendpodcast at gmail.com. We might even read it out
1: here on the show. And if you want to hear more podcasts from our crew, please check out polykill.com and poke around. And if email's not your thing, that's no big deal. Uh, if you still want to contribute, a rating and review on a podcast app, uh, whatever you use, that's going to help us out too. Right on. You can also
0: find us on social media, on Twitter. I'm at TravPlaysGames. Alex is, of course, at Sneshdrunk. And please
1: check out Dan Hess's YouTube if you search out Sonic Artist 313. That's how you find him. Yeah, and as, as always, we want to shout out the show's theme, composed by our friend Coolor. The track you hear is called Electric Star Bounce, and you can find a link to more of his music on the Buzzsprout podcast page. And, of course, we also want to thank Josh Leslie for our thirst-quenching logo. Thank you, Josh. Be sure to catch us all on YouTube, and thanks for listening. And we hope you have a great rest of your day.